Hello and welcome to Chatty AF, the anime feminist podcast. My name is Vry. I'm the managing content editor at Anafem. You can find me on Twitter at writer Vry, uh, or the podcast I co-host that's currently on hiatus at TrashPod. And with me today are Chiaki and Peter. Hi, I'm Chiaki Hirai, one of the editors for Anime Feminist. Uh, you can find me at at Chiaki747 or Animated Empress on Twitter. Uh, you think you'd think the locked account is hornier, but I'm live tweeting Harem in the Labyrinth uh, on my public. Nice. <laughs> I'm uh, Peter Fovian. I'm manager of YouTube strategy and content at Crunchyroll uh, and editor at Anime Feminist. And my Twitter is Peter Fovian. All right, and you are joining us for the summer 2022 mid-season check-in podcast. This season, spoiler alert, is kind of terrible. But we have endeavored to uh, slog our way through for all of you at home to see what there is that's at least fun, if not top tier. Uh, We're doing something a little bit different this season. We got some feedback about, you know, folks feeling disappointed about this or that show not being covered on the podcast and we want it so as a way to help us try to figure out how to better spend you know the limited time the team has in a way that also meets our listener and reader needs we have started putting up a seasonal poll for patrons where y'all can vote on the three shows that you would like most to hear about on the podcast. So join at patreon.com slash anime feminist for $1 and you too can help make sure that we cover the show that you really want to hear about on our seasonal podcasts. With that in mind, we are going to hit the ground running and see what is what with the bottom of our Yellow flags category. Actually, before we do that, uh, Chiaki, you said you'd watched Black Summoner. Is there anything interesting to talk about with that? Is it still doing slavery stuff? Uh, the dude is absolutely a sociopath, and I mean a sociopath. Um, so it's worse. It's gotten worse. I don't like him. Uh, I'm watching it because, of course, <laughs> I am. Um, <laughs> I hate him. I'm watching it. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's it. I have brain worms. Anyway, um, no. Is there a cat girl in it? No, there isn't. No, actually, that, yeah. yeah no, there's no cat girl. Yeah. But no, it's it. This guy literally wakes up one morning, goes, "You know what? I'm gonna do today. I'm gonna go buy myself a slave," and that's what he does. No remorse. All right. Nothing. Anyway, yeah. Moving on. Yeah, so it's just as bad as the first episode seems like worse. it was going to be. It was Good. worse. All right. Yeah, worse. I thought he was actually, like, had better characterization than most isekai guys because they're usually just blandy toast, and he was kind of a goofus, but, uh, yeah, then he bought a slave. Yeah, like, usually <laughs> they have that impetus of, oh, well, you know, she's being tortured or something. I need to rescue her. No, she, he, he straight up said, I need myself a slave. Yep. I'm going to go buy one. Very cool. Yes. All right. Moving away from uh, our very populated anime was a mistake section this season and all the way up to the bottom of our yellow flags category with the first of our uh, patron poll requested titles. Chiaki, you were brave enough to go and watch some more episodes of Uncle from Another World, a show I did not care for. How are you doing? Uh, So just keep keep people's uh, expectations in mind. I have only watched four episodes. Uh, and that is all that is available on Netflix right now. The next episode is due out August 31st. 
Uh, yes, for folks at home who may not know, uh, in the U.S. market, Netflix is airing this weekly, but they aired it on a two-week delay. So the episodes le- available in English are slightly less than have aired in Japan. Oh, neat. Uh, so there's been a long gap between the last episode I watched and the next one coming up, actually. Generally, I mean, we get a new cast member in episode two, who's a woman, uh, Takafumi, the guy's uh, old childhood friend, um, she kind of finds out that the uncle is with them, you know, and um, she's okay. She kind of brings some balance to the show rather than just having having it be about two dudes who are kind of nerds trying to, you know, hustle their way through making money on YouTube. Um, the uncle continues to be quirky to the point of frustrating uh and he is insufferable so unless you really really love retro sega references it's kind of a slog to watch him at all Mm. um they do introduce like the the elf and the ice maiden from the isekai um and the show becomes kind of like it's weird because it's an isekai anime within a slice of life anime, I guess. It's not right. like a slice of life isekai anime. It's you're watching people watch an anime in an anime. Yeah. And my deal my deal with the premiere was definitely that it didn't feel like there was a significant stylistic difference between the extremely brown real world and the even more brown isekai world. And it was very boring to look at. Wait, did they do the, like the foreign country uh, filter on isekai world? You, yeah, they did. Oh, they did do. <laughs> oh. My only other question is uh, childhood friend girl. Does she look a little bit closer design wise to the two dudes or does she also have the extremely anime girl features? She's got, a little bit of uh, the more anime girl features, but she's a little bit more down to earth than the fantasy people. Mm. Uh, and the joke with her is when she was like in elementary school, she was like an early bloomer and also like super like masculine and was a bully and was a complete shit, like a complete shit. And so um, Takafumi was friends with her in elementary school, but like totally considers her as more like a bro rather than a girl. Uh, oh, um, exhausting. I will say that, you know, this this show does kind of with the uncle hit the sort of the core double standard of anime, where if you're an insufferable clue, clueless jerk, you get a free pass as long as you're a hot girl. Right. Like that's kind of the mm-hmm. base of the humor that a, that a lot of it pulls from, because you're watching the uncle. He sucks so much. And then some like you see some of the women in the show also take on some of those traits. And it's like, oh, but that's funnier and like cuter because they're cute. Oh, tired. Yes. This show makes me tired. Um, yeah, I, I it's insufferable. Okay, let's move on then. Uh, My God, you really absolutely stepped on the landmine for this season. I wanted to, I don't think we need to talk much about 
parallel world pharmacy, except that I think you mentioned the most recent episode has a skin lightning subplot. Yeah. Um, this, this is pretty typical with Asian cosmetics as well as, you know, European um, aristoc- aristocracy, basically lightening your skin, uh, especially because you're upper class, you don't have to work in the field. So you, you know, it's been traditionally like, if you have white skin, you're more affluent. Um, right. Yeah. It pulls from there. And the plot point was uh, pharma um, being from the mo- from modern times recognizes that old whitening cosmetics used lead to achieve. Ah. You know? And so he's like, he's like, oh, yeah, stop using that white makeup because you're going to die. Anyway, here's the actual white makeup that won't kill you. Yeah. Please stop spreading lead on your face. Yes. Yeah. Is the because this was one that our premiere review said. Well, that it's less. It's it's more at least has stakes and characters than some other isekai sludge type series. How's it doing with like the lady mentor and uh, just generally keeping up being engaging? Uh, kind of just they're they're in the back. I mean they're they're supporting him this point yeah. yeah he's that absolute smartest guy nobody could possibly compete with how intelligent he is so, so uh, cool. everyone else is just supporting his genius basically yeah and i'll even say that it's fairly low stakes overall i think for the first mm-hmm. half of the season um mm-hmm. you know there, there was that sort of phantom you know threat somewhere in the background saying like well if people find out that you're super gifted you know the church might come come and try to kill you or something but that actually doesn't really kick in until the most recent episodes yeah it's literally just like they found out you're so powerful that you're a threat to the church so uh would they want to get rid of you because you're so powerful good to know uh my stepmom's daughter is my ex has (laughs) i is it fully leaning into the we're not technically related but we're sort of evoking the incest taboo type series is it oh, characterization that was uh, like go on. episode one man i also know that um meru noted that it has a little bit better character writing than you might expect from a show with such a tr- that's so upfront about its tropey premise mm-hmm I, I will say that um, Yume, the girl, the sister, mm-hmm. is going through a lot of sort of teenage growing pains, I guess. Like, oh, like, how does this work? I, I, I'm trying to, like, grow into being my own person kind of thing. There is a little bit more character development, I think. And they mm-hmm. even try to stick Misto with other girls occasionally. But it, mm-hmm. it all ultimately really does come to oh yeah, these these two step siblings are living together and realizing that they kind of still like each other a lot. Um it's it's more it's more like they stop dating each other after graduating middle school because they just simply lost that flame and now they're slowly trying to remember what that flame was because of all the yeah. It's 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 exactly what you think it is, I guess. I mean, I gotta say, as step-sibling romance series go, this one seems, it's not like it's a couple of cuckoos. You know, this seems pretty. They dated long before their parents were ever interested in each other, and they are only starting to live together now as teenagers. They don't have that Westermark effect thing going on. So, like, I can't get that worked up about it. Yeah, it's it's 
it's funny or I mean, it's inter- entertaining. It's it's yeah. a show. It is a show and it's not gross. How I guess what I mean is gross. Like, uh, how's it treating her specifically and like her whole teenage ness? I think I think it's pretty fine. I, I don't mm. think it's there's anything too problematic besides the premise of the show. Yeah. Yeah. Rock on. All right. I'm going to skip over my isekai life unless there's uh, something notable. Uh, It is the most boring fucking show. Holy (laughs) fuck. Okay, can I just can I just say can I just say, you know, there are two shows with slavery and there are two shows with slimes that are isekais this season. Right. 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 Like, And this is the other slime slime isekai show. That shares with Black Black Summoner, and I I would say if Calvin was toast, like this Calvin from Black Summoner was toast, he'd be the buttered toast that landed butter side down. <laughs> and Yuji in my isekai life is like the unbuttered, untoasted slice of Wonder Bread. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm done. Got it out. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. All right, let's give you a chance to like rest from carrying this podcast upon your cat girl shoulders, uh, because our next title is Call of the Night, and so I actually I haven't watched any more of the anime. I I noped out of that, but I did pick up the manga. And before I get into that, uh, Alex left some notes because they have kept up with it, even though they could not be here for the call today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I may read their comments in full, because they made me laugh. Um, This show is driving me up the wall. Picture me, clamoring the castle walls like Dracula, woven through this potentially beautiful look at loneliness and depression and the reasons we end up feeling cut off from the daylight world. It's always muddied by the show's other nonsense. Episodes 5 and 6 are a great example of this. They introduce an exhausted office worker suffering under an abusive boss who demands her time and energy, and she puts her head down and suffers through it because she thinks this is adulthood and it's just the way it has to be. All alone in the middle of the night, she's offered freedom and a new perspective by running into a vampire. It would be uplifting and interesting social commentary, except that it's all tangled up in a dumb fan service filled plot about Nazuno giving massages in a skimpy nurse outfit. Uh, the camera continues to slice up the female characters into sexy angles, including the 14-year-old girl, uh, the uncomfortable sexual innuendo surrounding Nazuna's relationship with protagonist Ko, who is 14 for some reason, also continues... The show switches rapidly between highlighting that he's young and naive and highlighting the sexual connotations of blood drinking. The yuck factor of this combination is outweighing the potentially interesting thematic stuff, which I know is exactly what I said in the three episode review, but unfortunately things have gotten worse rather than better. Can I, can I just mention? Yeah. That in the latest episode, they introduced six more vampires. Oh, I wow. see. I love lady vampires, and I and, do. And it's it's more of the same of what was just stated. What do they play baseball? No, not okay. yet. They <laughs> haven't started playing baseball. But I mean, it is it is a choice. It is literally a choice that all of these girls are like cozying up to a fourteen year old boy. Yeah, I that is. Cause I, so I picked up the manga and I was only able to get the first volume by this mid season. I might get a few more from the library. I didn't, I didn't hate reading the manga, which covers, I think about the first four episodes of the anime. Um, it has basically the same issue that I ran into with my dress up darling about the fan service where 
it is still technically, you know, it'll have a thigh shot or whatever close up of Nazana's socks or her shorts, but it's like a small panel that takes up a sixth of a frame rather than an entire full camera frame that, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is on screen for five seconds and you do not control the pace. So it is, I think, a lot more palatable in that sense and i can see why it's easier for folks to get past that stuff to get into the stuff that alex kind of touched on about this feeling of isolation and loneliness and i think reading the manga it comes across more clearly why it's in the anime i can see it uh mm-hmm. but in the manga particularly why people cotton to co as ace coded but yeah i simply cannot get past the 14 year old thing because i think if you if you had made co 17. I think that this series would work because he would be sort of on the cusp of adulthood. He could still be sort of sheltered. And you have this girl who's a little bit older, you know, only by like two or three years, but it seems like it's a world of difference because it kind of is at that gap age. Um, And she like, she drinks beer, but she's still immature about certain things. And I think that that give and take would work if he was that three years older. But he's not just 14. He's a really young feeling 14. And it skeeves me the hell out. And Mm -hmm. I think it really gets in the way of what is interesting about the series thematically. And it makes it feel just kind of fetishy instead. Yeah. Uh, I I will note one thing is that a lot of sort of delinquency starts for Japanese youth around middle school. Not sure Mm -hmm. how it is over here in the States, but... You know, um, kids hanging, getting out of their homes and just hanging out at midnight at train stations and, you know, picking fights. That kind of starts in middle school-ish, later middle school. So, you know, Ko's about that age where he would, you know, kind of go into that mode if if this were such a um, show. Uh, Mm. At the same time, I also do feel that given the emphasis on sort of the romantic and sort of you know the sexual um themes of the show i would feel so much more comfortable if ko was even in college and that everyone's or or even if they characterized nazuna a little bit younger because you know obviously she's an immortal ancient being but it's she could be like an older cool senpai but instead it feels more like you know shinji and misato the the gap feels that wide mm-hmm. sure so i don't know it's frustrating uh but i i'm gonna give the manga a little bit more of a chance and we'll see how it go and uh you know i'll just say that yes i i am lambasting the central premise of the show but also i am still watching it and this is one of the shows that i am overall enjoying it's very pretty and it has those vampire ladies yes and i ignore ko that's that's all i do <laughs> wise all right uh this was also a big request on our patreon poll which is yakuza's guide to babysitting how are you guys finding it Uh, Mm. peter do you want to go ahead i don't really know if i have too much to say that's very productive i i just kind of maybe i i fell into the uh kind of um i don't know what to call this like a well of hope that i think a lot of people had that it might be a uh like house husband like anime that actually got animation <laughs> but uh i mean that i feel like that was also probably just uh, if you came with that expectation you did to yourself and i am talking about myself <laughs> so 
Yeah, I don't. I don't really think uh, it's weird because I don't really get a yakuza feeling off of any of the yakuza characters. All of them are just very like very young, attractive guys uh, who should probably be male idols and often act like male idols uh, to varying degrees. And it's it has a lot of hijinks between them. So it's it does have like the dad stuff between him and I, I forgot the girl's name, uh, Kirishima and uh, Yaka. Yeah, little lady is what he yeah, called. Yaka. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, so it, it does have some of that, but uh, there's just like a lot of like weird stuff, like them doing like a boy band thing uh, for a little while that <laughs> really just kind of confused me. Literally, yeah, and- literally an entire episode dedicated to them becoming VTubers or uh, not VTubers, uh, YouTubers. Yeah, huh. so I'm, I'm pretty sure like this type of show has its own audience. Uh, I just came in with uh, false expectations, maybe based on mm. the title. yeah i mean my hang up with it was it really seems like it's uncomfortable being a yakuza show and it is the most you know i touched on this in my premiere but there's been a lot of shows about you know the yakuza being secretly cuddly or cool or some degree of like softening element which you know we we in the u.s have that with mafia stuff i'm i'm not here to pick that fight today yeah um but it seems this show specifically seems so uncomfortable with the fact that it has that it's about the Yakuza mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah, I, I, I find this type of thing particularly weird because I think well, I read there was that thing uh, that came out recently about the average age of a member, the members of the Yakuza being over 50. Uh, like they're old <laughs> and yeah, they're a dying breed. Yeah. And all these dudes are just super young. Even House Husband, I think, is kind of like uh, an unusual case. Uh, so, I, I, yeah, it's a, it's a strange genre that has uh, suddenly started to appear. Well, Kazuma Kiryu. It's, I, I maintain yeah. it's here because Kazuma Kiryu. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I he, mean... He, 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 that dude looks, uh, he is not like a young uh, kind of hot guy. Like, I mean... No, he's a hot dad that everyone wants to have. I mean, he's definitely hot, but he's not like the same type of hot as uh, like House Husband or uh, Kirishima in in this show. So, Yeah, for this show, I mean, the dudes do like they are Yakuza when the plot calls them to be Yakuza. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. They they do. Mm -hmm. They do have that sicko mode um, button that they press sometimes. And I, I do think that um overall the show is very very fluffy or mm-hmm. what it could be and i think it wouldn't work otherwise it mm. is it exists it exists in this very state that it, it has that balance of mm. a guy who will literally kill you but you know he's learning to love for the first time to by protect and attack protecting mm-hmm. a small child yeah um one thing i will note there is a gay tattoo artist in the cast who is a very stereotypically gay um guy ah. so you know he does kind of flirt around with kirishima a lot um you know they're they're friends but he's he's extremely flamboyant is one thing i will gotcha. note. and is the the family stuff good family stuff oh yeah, yeah. i mean yeah, yeah it, it's a it's the most wholesome family you could ever expect but they're mm. you know but the dad is just the head of the of a organized crime family 
Yeah, it's Not even bad. got like the the dead mom subplot, very single dad anime structure. Um, mm-hmm. Except that the single dad is Kirishima because her dad is very busy running a criminal organization. So <laughs> I do, I do, I, I should have said probably that I do like the 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 father daughter elements. I think those are done pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very cute. So that part is, uh, yeah, no complaints. Oh, and the other thing about the like the Sakuragi family is that they're they're supposed to be criminals right but they don't right. seem to be doing any crimes <laughs> yeah. like yeah. like when they do actually do yakuza like stuff like beating people up and you know busting into people's offices it's like usually because the people they're busting into are awful people themselves yeah everybody everybody's moving in on their turf what well, they, they don't seem to be doing anything on their turf but people keep moving in on it so they gotta fight them yeah. yeah, it's like they're not actually doing any crimes; they're just being nice. <laughs> yeah, just stay off our turf. Yeah. Moving on, is there anything to add about Teppen since you covered it in our three episode reviews? Oh wow, this is such a weird show. Uh, I hate that I it like. It sounds show. weird. I hate that mm. I like it. It's weird, but it's really well written. Um, I'm still hung up on the fact that it's not hilarious. Like I was hoping for a hilarious show. Because it has laugh until you cry in the title. And it's not making me laugh. It's it's like about comedians, right? It's about comedians and the writing is so surreal. Like episode four just or no, episode five was it or something? Um there's an entire episode spent on a bus where it's like you've entered the Twilight Zone. It just happens. And then they don't follow up on that. Then there's like an entire episode where they like they foreshadow with like the most the giant, the biggest fucking Chekhov's gun ever. And, you know, you know how it's going to end at the end of the episode. Uh, And then you would think like, oh, well, that was like that was a very chaotic episode. I bet everything's going to be fine the next episode. No, no, they carry it on to the next episode. Like the gag keeps going, even though other gags have not it's it's so wild i like i like it okay. but i hate that i like but it's it. not funny <laughs> but it's not making me laugh all right interesting fair yeah i mean i'll be honest i am heavily considering giving it a look because anime that are committed to being extremely weird is my thing mm. banger opening too the opening's nice I think I've gotten tired of it after like uh, Literally, my first joke question when you started talking about it was, does the opening hold up? <laughs> I'm glad. Thanks for answering that without my <laughs> Uh We will move on up the chain then. Anything to add? Has Bakumatsu Bad Boys gotten better or worse, worse. is my question to you two. Worse. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I remember I messaged about uh, Akira and uh, who was uh, who's the cross-dressing yeah yeah how they kind of were both they had like this thing where both were sort of like stepping out of their gender roles and all that in like whatever era japan uh and uh it's just the scenes between them are getting like just more and more salacious basically uh he's just kind of being a sexual creep to akira now like demanding kisses in exchange for information and stuff like that uh it sucks and also the main plot has devolved into uh, main character thought brother was dead. Turns out brother uh, was just adopted by bad guy and wants to kill 
the main character now, which is something I feel like I've seen in Shonen seven or eight times and was, was not good the first time. Let's so. not just say, like, let's just also say that the brother, the thought to be dead brother is so fucking prominently featured in the opening. Yeah. And like the, the big bad guy is, has yellow hair and his little brother had yeah, yellow yeah. hair. Yeah. You could not, you could see this coming from 10 miles away. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh my God, his brother's the bad guy. It's like, no, no, fuck you. Fuck off. Honestly, when somebody has a dead brother, I'm just like, oh, well, that the brother's definitely going to show up and be evil. <laughs> you just need to say, my my brother who I loved is dead. Uh, and I know that that's going to, it's like. And we never found the body. Chekhov's dead brother. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, so this is hurtled down from neutral way down into red flags. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this one, definitely, if you had been interested in it, uh, even with the caveats, definitely check out Chiaki's write-up, because there are uh, a lot of things, including the uh, the, char- the AFAB character who is presenting male uh, is a classic case of, uh, is this way because of sexual assault, among other things. Yeah, and that they don't really touch on that ever since then, like, ever since that one uh, hint that that's why Akira is like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I feel that in the most recent episodes, they are really hammering down that Akira is a girl, not a boy. Yep. <sighs> Basically just like a character for Katsura to bounce off of, which uh, is pretty much the worst possible thing they could have done. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's depressing. Let's move on to Ruby. Mm. Uh, Ruby Ice Queendom. Folks are really eager to hear about this. How's it going? <sighs> Why do you all like Ruby so much? Uh, <laughs> you, you say as though you didn't after watching a couple episodes of this anime immediately binge all of the original ruby shut up anyway uh, <laughs> <laughs> um i feel like this show really needed to not have the first four episodes mm. i mean they should have just junked the first four episodes and rewrote the whole thing like the fact that the triple feature first episode the extended first episode condensed the entire first uh, season of the original into like what an hour was an admirable attempt but it left anyone coming in new confused right right and then episode four starts up and it's the same thing like if you're if you're coming in even if you're not a new viewer it just suddenly starts in media res um, of Ruby infiltrating Weiss's dreams. And that's, that's the whole, whole story of Ruby ice queendom, which is Weiss has fallen under a spell and is trapped in her dreams. And the, the cast needs to, you know, wake her up. And so the first four episodes essentially is just fumbling with shoddy structuring um, of the story that you you just do not know what's going on anymore. And mm. finally around episode five is when you're like, oh, okay, I'm kind of starting to get what's happening. And it, it finds firm, you know, firm grounding around episode six. Uh, the most recent episode, they finally made more headway, you know, episode seven. Uh, and like, it feels like I'm watching a cohesive story now, finally. Mm. Which, you know, shouldn't be happening halfway into the core. I should be impressed way earlier if I wanted to keep at it. 
Right. And also, as you mentioned in the uh, staff chat, focusing on Weiss means you have to do a lot of the really tiresome, she grew up prejudiced storyline stuff. Yep. So, I mean, all of this is essentially a retelling of Briar Rose. Um, You know, she is a princess trapped in her own uh, self-doubt, blah, blah, blah. Uh, she's not good enough, but also she was raised raised kind of um, racist against Faunus, the you know furry people, um, and so there's a lot of that in how sort of the antagonists attack the you know how they attack the other characters in the show. Are you going to watch it to the end? Are you enjoying it now that it's found what it's doing? Or are you just kind of I'm gonna getting see, to the end? I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if they figure out, like, if they if they finish up the story within the next two episodes or so. Hmm. I'll probably see what's up for the next arc in the finale. Right? right. If they finish everything up within like episode eight or nine. And, you know, they do some kind of epilogue thing, 12, you know, 10 through 12 or whatever. I'd be interested Mm -hmm. to finding out more. If they drag this on for the full core, I'll probably bow out because I don't have the patience for this. Anything to add, Peter? Not really. Uh, Having not watched the original (laughs) Ruby, uh, I feel like kind of unqualified to talk about new Ruby uh, because... I don't know. I feel like a lot of it relies in like points of comparison, which I just can't make. Animation good. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. animation is good. Uh, they do get really good ending cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, the artists that they've hired is, you know, like K. Tome and Rangi Murata have done uh, end cuts for them. You, you can oh, tell. Does that, that mean like that that piece of art after the ED that they? Yeah. Oh dang! Mm-hmm. I I was leaving it before that. I needed to look back now. I love those. I love it when yeah. shows do that. Uh, there's there's some really good art there. And you mm. can tell. You can absolutely tell that uh, Shaft threw money at this. There was no expense spared. Yeah. Oh, I should have known that. Because Shaft always, always, always does that. Uh, Shaft loves to do that. That's like a Shaft thing. Uh, but yeah. I, and, and I will definitely say, if, you, if you're if you an OG Ruby fan, you'll probably like this more and enjoy enjoy it being flashy and interesting. But... If you're coming in new, like seriously, just start episode four. It'll be confusing for you if you're coming in new, but don't worry about it. Just there's nothing to get. Yeah, Ruby's such an archetypal show. And, you know, listen, I would Ruby was not my bag, but I was a red versus blue fan for a long time. So I do not say that with any knock on people who are into Ruby, but it is a especially the early going, a very archetypal show. So I feel like you could chuck yourself right in and get it. Yeah. I think Maniom uh, really wanted a vehicle for fight scenes. Uh, so Yes. Yep. And it definitely it fulfilled that purpose for sure. All right. So none of us are watching Phantom of the Idol and there wasn't a lot of requests for it. So we did not check in on that one. Uh, same with Extreme Hearts. D left some notes on Chimimo because she is still really enjoying it. Uh, yeah. Her notes are, so the jokes about mundane hells and heavens are generally very fun and relatable, like uh, the hell of not being able to get a plastic bag to open at the grocery store or the joy of finding a surprise snack you'd forgotten about in your purse. 
the only downside are the occasional weight and dieting jokes, but it's a pretty light touch on those. Uh, so her three, it's still continuing in line basically with what she had written up in the three episode review. And the nice thing about that, it's a very soft little show, but it's divided into two mini apps. So it's very digestible mm-hmm. in, in small bites, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Like it's a show that would get lost, I think in a strong season, but here it it's pretty much the only standard bearer for really nice Iyashike. So if that's what you're looking for, something really cute and kind of chill yeah. and sort of funny, I I think this one is kind of, you know, worth looking at. Mm. Cool. Moving on up. This brings us into the It's Complicated category, where I have finally done my share of the work and watched some things. <laughs> Price time. <Good. laughs> Yure Teko is a show. I still have no confidence that Daisato is going to nail the landing. Um. That said, I think that it has gotten a lot stronger now that it has moved away from the sort of linear narrative of the first three episodes and into being sort of an episodic detective story. The detective episodes are much better at not being didactic and sort of doing a little bit more of a hmm, really makes you think. Uh, The show's still a little bit in love with analog good and romanticizing that i think to a a small extent but it's it's better about it's gotten a lot better about not doing the kids these days and their phones type stuff and having a slightly more balanced view of like technology is a useful tool but you know you don't want to get too buried into it yeah and you know touching on episodes about like false false information and how easy that is to spread online and you know rumors and why do why are they such an enduring part of human society i i like that uh hack is an is a gender even uh even if uh, hack is also a desperate bid to make a new ed uh <laughs> fun I, I literally wrote down something like uh hack is uh we've got edward at home <laughs> <laughs> Oof. It's mean, but Oof. it's true. Oof. Um, it's really pretty, and I, I won't regret watching it all the way to the end. I think it's fun. It definitely has the air of a kids' show in the level at which it's writing its thematic stuff. I don't think it's coming for um, Deno Coyle's crown anytime soon. Hard to as talk far that. as yeah, yeah, and I mean, in fairness, Deno Coyle had two core, but it was also a much more grounded uh human show about augmented reality and the future and did you know legacies of digital footprints and deno coil's good we have a watch along about it uh y'all should listen to those and watch it mm-hmm. but yeah i think that if you are braced for the fact that this might all fall apart at the end it is an interesting episode to episode ride what do you think peter I, I was pretty much the same. I read your write-up where you were like, man, it sure is uh, talking about a lot of complex stuff, and uh, there's no way to know if it's going to land on its feet or not. I am kind of expecting it to go like full decadence, where it's like, everything will be okay if you just appeal to authority at the end or something, and then authority will change, because that's how that's how this works. Uh, so uh, we'll see. Uh, in the meantime, I think it, it's got really strong Kaiba vibes to me, which uh, I am enjoying mm. a lot. Uh, it has that similar color palette yeah 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 and Catman is very good uh love watson yeah and you know 
Finn is, is GNC as fuck, and yep. that's cool. I really like uh, the detective agency. All of them are really good characters. Yeah, um, they're fun. Yep. I will say the other thing that does bother me about this series is it feels like its emotional beats are really flimsy. Like, they're, for a series that is about technology and humanity and should, you know, theoretically maybe be about transhumanism a bit, it is really... Uh, lackadaisical about how it treats the death of AI. Oh, uh, with the uh, the architect ramen. Well, that and the the little uh, the Nue. It was like, oh, that's a little sad, I guess. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, the the that maybe that's what uh, kind of bothered me about the ramen episode. It just felt like they introduced uh, what should have been a very important character that just like gets murdered real quick, and the they don't even have time to contemplate the. The machine's death, who was potentially the archetype of the entire city, or the ar- archetype, archi- architect, mm-hmm. architect of the entire mm-hmm. city. Uh, yeah, um, it's like its death mainly serves to further the ongoing mystery. There's no like moment for like, oh, this was a new friend we made and a sentient being who has been here literally since the city was formed. It felt weird. Who had and- like hobbies and interests <laughs> and uh, and like uh, a genre de vivre and all that. <laughs> I, yeah, it that is messed up. I'm just keeping my expectations so very low for this and on that. So I'm not mad at it, I guess, but I no longer expect it to be revelatory or mind blowing in any sense. Uh, Licorice Recoil, a show I would have dropped in a show in a season that was better. Mm. I like guns. (laughs) You like guns? You like girls? It's better than gunslinger girls. That's true, but that's a low bar. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I I felt like Gunslinger Girls at least had some respect for the inherent horror of uh, what they're doing. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, but in kind of a weird fetishy way. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. But, uh, like, that's my my main problem with Licorice Recoil is it is about orphan girls being turned into child soldiers and regularly shows you... them getting like brutally killed uh like a bunch of them die in like a, a train station bombing from a terrorist uh one of them gets hit by a car at high speed and then like four dudes get out and just like fill her body with bullets it's like yep. it's gruesome shit and then the rest of the time uh it's just chisato and takina uh, yeah yeah they go shopping for panties because god forbid this girl wear boxers yeah and uh shooting rubber bullets because they don't want to hurt nobody yeah uh, Alex had hopes for this one that it might have anything to say about the fact that these girls are tools of state-sponsored murder. It does not. This is just a guns, uh, girls with guns, guns cool yeah. type yep. show. And maybe it has a few nods towards killing is bad, but in a very platitudinous sort of way. I will say after the most recent episode, my vibe on this series, which to be fair in the moment to moment has been engaging and fun to watch. Like it's very pretty. And also what's interesting to me is that it's clearly somebody's baby because Mm. the author uh, or the, the director, the series composer, this is his first uh, head director and it's his first time a series composer. He's had a really long story in history as a key animator and an animation director, but he's never stepped into these roles mm-hmm. where he's he's directing, he's in charge of the story. Like, clearly this is this dude's baby. Mm-hmm. So 
But mainly, after the most recent episode, my vibe is, why isn't this show about Mika and his uh, Magneto X? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, that was actually one of the, I, I was like, wait, this is, this is compelling. <laughs> like, I did not expect this at all. You know, what's going on here? I, I hope they don't just drop it. He's going to have to kill him yep. before the series is over. I feel that way. Yeah. I was, that was completely out of left field for me. I didn't think they'd go that direction. I thought it was literally a one-off joke about like, you know, they're just like, oh, he's meeting another guy. Is he gay? We shouldn't pry. And then you're like, oh, no, wait. They dropped, they dropped a line or two about it early on, but yeah. it was in that kind of way where it's like, well, I have no faith in this going anywhere. Yeah. And then it did. Yep. But I, yeah, I do, I do love gay child soldier dad and I want a show to be about him instead. Yeah, that is my greatest point of interest in the plot uh, doing anything at this point. I do think that the, uh, I mean, the terrorist guy isn't really that interesting, but I'm hoping that they make him more interesting as uh, we hit the end of the season. Yeah, because he's he was part of like the boy equivalent of licorice, right? Or licorice. I don't know how you're supposed to pronounce it. The chorus. Yeah, yeah. They had like a, a boys program, and he he came from that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lily Bell or something. Oh like yeah, that. Lily Bell. And you know, in the show, to the show's credit, I am invested in Chisato. You know, like enough that I will keep watching to the end. I think because mm-hmm. I like her. Yeah, yeah, I, it's They're, like the, the uh, Chisato and Takina are great. I I think they've made them both really charming and interesting, and and like the stuff they do is really cool. It's just like the world surrounding them that doesn't doesn't like match that vibe, you know. If they weren't like assassins, yeah. So I, I get why people mm-hmm. uh, I get why people are really attracted to the show uh, based off its like uh, those two and their dynamic for sure. I, I do appreciate um those two i do appreciate i am entertained by the show and i am thinking about reinstalling payday too but um, (laughs) good soundtrack yeah Yeah. um but overall i I recognize all of these issues you guys point out Mm -hmm. totally agree like this is the kind of show that has a solid core and many things to like about it but also a lot of secondary things that absolutely would have made me drop it before now. Like the fact that we have the quote unquote older woman who's maybe 25 who drinks a lot and can't get a date. (laughs) Thank you. And the tiny gremlin who's always barefoot in a way that starts to seem a little sus Mm -hmm. with her giant oversized sweater. And the, you have to act uh, in a prescribed feminine matter. And the, we have, character designs who are GNC as fuck and even a fat character, but they all belong to the state sanctioned murder organization or are, you know, have two seconds of screen time and our two lead girls are appropriately normatively feminine. Mm-hmm. And I'm cranky and old and tired. Yeah. Thanks for, I, I, it had, my least favorite trope maybe is the Christmas cake woman. I, I hate that so much. Every time I just like yell at my screen every time that thing appears, it sucks. But yeah, I don't mean to leave it on on a, such a crabby note because hey hey you know okay good note good note man that that those pistol shooting motions man yeah crazy sakuga uh, yeah yeah the show directed by the uh, the animation veteran looks looks very genuinely quite nice and it's well choreographed and well boarded and that's... <laughs> 
that's few and far between this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, at least you can come here and get it and not engage Kiss, a show that is gross. Yeah. I feel like if if there weren't so many scenes of teenage girls being brutally murdered, uh, I would uh, like really be way more positive about this show, actually. Because then it could sell to me the fact that the villain is zany uh, and yeah. that the mistress of yeah. the, the licorice organization like means well and is doing the best for Japan and stuff. If these girls weren't constantly getting murdered, these orphan child soldiers weren't just brutally dying on screen all the time. I, I would, I would, it's like, okay, there are positive vibes because it's more of like a comic booky good versus evil thing where there aren't dead bodies in the streets kind of thing. Yeah. All right. We are getting towards the last 10 of the podcast. Let's do our last two. Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. I couldn't make myself watch this. Caitlin is behind and she was the most excited for it on the team. How are you guys doing? Well, I must today. Okay. Just just to make sure, you know, I dropped it at three episodes and Bri, you convinced me to come back for this podcast. (laughs) I begged you. I said, please, please, please. It's all I can do to catch up on these other shows for the podcast. Please, Chiaki, it's my hour of need. And for this, I owe you. Yeah, I mean, Shinonome comes onto the scene. Uh, he's very thirsty for Hasahina's sister. That That's something to look out for. Uh, he's kind mm. of a pest. Um, but don't worry about him too much because... Um... <laughs> he doesn't remain a problem too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah... It, I feel like, you know, for people who were expecting something a little bit more, a little bit more, something with more levity, I guess, uh, might be shocked to find out that this is a show that does have character death quite gruesome in some cases. Mm. Uh, so do watch out for that. Um, still, I, I'm i not sure. I'm not sure. It feels like this, all of the, all of what's happening in these last few episodes is supposed to be supposed to have taken place over a longer period of time so that I can develop a closer relationship to these characters. But it feels like they're just introducing characters left and right. People are dying. And I'm just like, was I supposed to care about that person? Yep. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember during Hung, uh, Hungetsu's death scene, I was just like, uh, th- like, I think he was introduced to like either the episode before or that episode. And I just, I did not feel like there had been enough time for me to really, uh, and I I wondered like, since both this show and planet with move so quickly, I'm wondering if that's just like a Mizukami thing. Um, But it, either way, it's really making me appreciate the power of a good director. Cause I, I felt like planet with story was moving so quickly, but all of the beats felt really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, it just feels like they're going a mile a minute. I, I can't develop attachments to anything. You have, you have, um, Asahina's sister going like, I think I loved him. And it's like, you gave no indication that that was the case. Yeah. I've seen some people saying that this is one where even though the anime makes a couple updates, takes out some of the panty shots, thankfully, it's still one where if you're curious about the story, you should just go pick up the manga. Does that ring true to you guys or... Uh, yes. I, yeah. oh, is the manga available? I don't even know. I don't. Yeah, can you can, can you read the manga? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can read. It, I mean, it was released in English legally. I don't know if it's still in print. Uh, I I guess what I could say with more confidence is if you liked the premise of this but felt down but let down by the execution, you can always watch Planet With instead. It has a Blu-ray now. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. I do want to say, uh, I can't remember if this was really a, a component in Planet With, but uh, like as something that I, I want to say I really liked about this story so far is they have this thing with Yuhi's grandfather where he was abusive. Uh, and uh, he basically abused him. It came from grief, I think, of uh, Yuhi's mom's death or something. Uh, he like he like locked him in his room. I think he literally chained him up or something like that because he was afraid of Yuhi dying as well. But uh, that's super fucked up, and the series recognizes that. And then his father is like or his grandfather's dying so he has he goes to visit him and his grandfather basically apologizes he said like i realize what i do to you is monstrous uh i'm sorry and the show he did not forgive him and the show did not fault him for not forgiving him i I think that's nice to see yeah i a lot of time in anime i uh i feel like it acts like it's the responsibility of children to forgive their parents for fucked up things that they did to them out of love um it absolutely does not do that it goes like even if you love somebody uh it's sometimes they do things you can't forgive and it's perfectly fine not to forgive somebody uh and I thought that was uh, a really good message. I, I feel I can't remember. It does ring a bell with Planet with it's been a while. I can't remember if they had a similar subplot, um, but I there, respect there the hell were out of that. some parental strife. Yeah, yeah. In Planet with, yeah. Okay, mm. but uh, that's good. Uh, update: Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. The manga is out. It's ten volumes uh, by Seven Seas, so oh, nice. you can read it if you are interested. I yeah. and yeah, because yeah, it does. It, it sound it's an interesting premise and it feels like the series engages with the topic of trauma in in interesting ways and Samadare is cool. I feel like this series is also very aware of shonen tropes and kind of uh pokes fun at them a lot, uh, which is uh fun to see. I felt like if the comedic timing was a bit better, a lot of the jokes would have really landed for me. Uh yeah. but mm. yeah, maybe it, it yeah, manga might be yeah. great. It's yeah, overall like there are things that I recognize would be interesting in the show as I watch it, but then it's executed so poorly. I, I'm just like playing Mahjong on the side, which is a shame. All right. Last one. We almost made it. Tokyo Mew Mew New. So I know that Meru is still really vibing with this. Uh, as we mentioned in the three, ep- uh, as they brought up in the three episode review, they're, you know, a big longtime fan Uh, They were really nostalgic about this. I am somebody who read the manga when Tokyo Pop did their translation. So, you know, grand assault. But by the time four kids did their hatchet job of Mew Mew Power, um, I was in high school. So I I didn't even have the buy-in of nostalgia to the edited version like I do with Yu-Gi-Oh! And I never really looked up the original anime. Uh, so I'm coming at it from a slightly different place. That said, this really feels like a nostalgic highlight reel. Um, hmm. I have had fun watching it. I think that the scenes with the girls are still really fun. And even even though, you know, it looks better than Sailor Moon Crystal, it has some of the same problems I have with Sailor Moon Crystal. I like whenever it's doing friendship stuff. I hate every single dude in this show. They all suck. Well, the dessert guy can stay. He's okay. Uh, but now they suck. No, no, they're all. And it, it does have this thing that I find interesting. And I think that is affecting the texture of the show in that the five girls are all voiced by 
brand new actors. They're either this is their first role or a couple of them had smaller parts in Q, that voice acting anime. Hmm. And meanwhile, all the, the dudes are all voiced by these mind-blowingly veteran actors. That's not to say I think that the the women are doing a bad job. I just think that at times the their lack of experience shows and sometimes in a good way where it's a little more naturalistic. Sometimes you know, there are lines where you can tell they're struggling. I think maybe it might be feeling into my general bad feels vibe where I really want to punch Aoyama in the throat and push Kish off a cliff. Just so we're clear, I only remember Aoyama's name and I actually don't remember any of the other guys. Like, Blonde Boy and the other one. Kish. 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 I just, I, I find it funny to reiterate that. I don't, this is not me putting the subs, subtitles on blast because I know that there was a lot of consideration putting into how much, into nostalgia factors and fan spellings over the years with this series. But, you know, uh, this dude sucks and he should be, and he deserves to be remembered by the fact that his name is a pun for a, uh, a pastry. I will say, I will say who names their child lettuce, straight up fucking lettuce. It's mean. <laughs> That's like naming a child Sephiroth. Um, <laughs> uh, I will point out one thing, um, you know, and I'm sure most people who've seen this or are watching this are already aware, but booing, uh, pudding, I guess, um, is extremely the acrobatic Chinese stereotype. Very much. Um, that I would like to point out as something that's kind of held over and probably shouldn't have like it should have been toned down considerably yeah she feels like she's from that same era as like shampoo in mm -hmm. ranma one half and she, she like and maybe part of it is you know the the streamlined narrative but she's got a lot less going on than the other girls and mm. yeah she's the happy-go-lucky monkey yeah okay i'm like cool that's the Chinese one is the monkey. Cool. Sure. Yeah. Don't. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm just kind of watching it, but I'm not exactly impressed. I'm, I'm, I'm playing Mahjong while I, I while I watch this. <laughs> Dang. There. Is that, is that your official rating scale? Like how, how many Mahjong, Mahjong games? Mahjong. Gonna, yeah. yeah. Like Mahjong requires concentration. If I'm playing Final Fantasy 14, that means I can pause and generally watch. Right. Yeah. But uh, and then probably the worst is I'm watching something else on Netflix while watching the, the other show. Oof. OK, but, you know, <laughs> I, I'm eager to hear the full write up about your rating scale. It's very crucial. The I think the biggest Im impression this has left on me, which my you know, the lack of impact on us aside, it really does seem to be hitting well for folks who are big fans of the original and want that nostalgia hit. It looks pretty. Uh, so for that, I think it is doing the job it set out to do. This has really emphasized the fact that there is no legal U.S. release of the subtitled version of the 2000s Tokyo Mew Mew. And that sucks. And uh, tweet at Discotech for them to license rescue it. Because we deserve more shoujo license rescues. More cat girls. And I gay bird girls, I guess. That's not really a trope. But I do like Mint a lot. Yeah, she's good. Can't get over lettuce, though. No, that's and and her animal is the porpoise. They're really trying yeah. to make it cute, but it's rough. Girl. 
I'm feel sorry bad for that, you. I'm yeah. sorry that you're lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. And I'll be interested to see whether this ends up just being the single core standalone or if they green light future seasons. It really feels like as I'm watching it, I just recognize these were clearly big moments in the original, but we're going so fast that I haven't had time to let it sink in. And that makes me a little sad. I wish that I could point people towards here's where you watch the 52 episode one. I'm coming in fresh. I've never seen the original and it, there's no weird choppiness to it, at least for me. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm watching it and digesting it. Yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing to be more helpful and specific than just saying he sucks. Um, Dean or Meru noted that Aoyama has some kind of possessive traits in their three episode review and Kish in specific I have enjoyed the character to archetype that's, you know, the villain who flirts with the hero and, you know, they're a little bit, they're a little bit menacing, but that's kind of what's appealing about them. He's really hard on the sexual menace in mm. a very grabby way that makes me uncomfortable. It, it, it is out of balance, I feel like, with what makes the trope work in this particular genre, and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. I feel bad. I feel bad leaving on on such a dark note. My God, this season has been disappointing. You know what? Did we say anything good about any of these shows? Uh, okay. I we said, said I did. we said some good things about some of them, partially. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but uh, I've been playing Blue Reflection Second Light and really enjoying that. That's a good gay magical girl thing. So sure. that's that's my limp attempt to save this at the end. I'm really sorry, listeners. If there is something we missed that you want to talk about or that something you feel like you're really enjoying this season, give us a shout in the comments. We would love to hear from you. Otherwise, that wraps us up for the mid-season. At least at the season end, we'll get to talk about sequels where we can finally talk about the best anime airing this season, Shadows House Season 2. Mm. Oh, not <clears throat> Rent-A-Girlfriend? No, <laughs> not that one. You okay. can talk about yeah, it. You can but... talk about it, though. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. All right, all right. Uh, that wraps us up for this one. Thank you so much for joining us, AnaFam. If you liked what you heard... You can find more on the page and in your ears by going to animefeminist.com. If you really liked what you heard, consider tossing us a dollar a month on Patreon. It helps us to pay our contributors and our staff and to continue bringing content to you. And as I mentioned at the top of the series, become a $1 patron and you can help decide what we focus on discussing during these seasonal podcasts. <clears throat> you can also find us on social media we are on tumblr at anime feminist and on twitter at anime feminist we also have a mastodon where we are uh, at anime feminist and finally if you would like to get some cool merch for the progressive geek on the go we have a store if you go to animefeminist.com slash store you can find all kinds of cute designs on shirts stickers water bottles the whole suite and until next time anafam really consider looking at your backlog this season Really give it a look. You know, it's bad when I'm on here. <laughs> on the, on the... Yeah, actually, just everyone say thank you to Chiaki in the comments. That is what I, I need you all to take away from this particular podcast is the incredible amount of work she has done. No, I mean, these are the shows that I normally watch. <laughs> <laughs>
you know it's ba- it's a bad season when you're at inviting me onto the show. Thanks, thanks for eating all this trash. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> all right, bye bye. Wow.